This is the Wednesday, June 2nd edition of the Daily Wager Podcast. We've got you covered with more NBA playoff action. Four, count them, four playoff games tonight. And we'll also touch on a little baseball as well, in and out, every weekday in less than 10 minutes. Welcome to the Daily Wager Podcast, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I am Doug Kazarian, alongside Joe Fortenbaugh. Fresh off his day off, but Joe, you did make a cameo on the uh, show yesterday, Daily Wager, with a little with a little hoops action. You know, I figured something out with that video yesterday <laughs> as to why the magicians in this town are so successful. If you have a whole lot of smoke and mirrors, like I did in that one with my son, hit me with the squirt gun and climbing up the wall. No one's actually paying attention to what you're saying or doing. So no one realizes I missed on that Marlins bet because everyone was too busy keeping an eye on the cute kid. So maybe today it'll be a lot of uh, sound effects and everything, and you won't even know what I'm talking about in the in an effort to avoid any possible losers sliding through the cracks. <laughs> I was I was just more impressed with the baseline Patrick Ewing-esque jumper that was all wet. So uh, very nicely done. Uh, you know, long, long, long lost art of the mid-range jumper. So well done on your Thank part. You. Um, another big man. In the news lately, and that's Joel Embiid, unlikely to play tonight for the Sixers. This number's come down a little bit. It was kind of baked in the line where they thought he would because the injury is not considered super serious. But it looks like he's a no-go for tonight's Game 5, back in Philly, closeout game. Six is your number. 229.5 is your total. Uh, Looks like we're on opposite sides here. Trickling down a little bit. I would bet the Wizards here, but i bet them small. I, I, I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if Philly wins this game, but they look extraordinarily discombobulated without Embiid in the second half of that game. It almost looked as if Tobias Harris was trying to become the number one, and all he did was turn the ball over and miss shots. He looked awful. Now, I don't want to take that and say he'll look awful in this game as well, but we're talking about covering a pretty big number against a pretty feisty team. And Washington won that game by eight, despite committing two more turnovers and making three fewer three-pointers. So it's not like you go through the box score and you find this anomaly or outlier game. Washington was okay. Philly was pretty bad. And as a result, Washington won by eight. I don't think we're going to see a lot of Washington regression coming in this game. With Embiid on the court in the playoffs, the offensive rating for the Sixers is 138. That is an extraordinary number. But when he comes off the court, the offensive rating plummets to 100 well below what dead last would be in the NBA. And the numbers are somewhat similar when you look at the regular season splits as well. So I think Washington probably has a little bit of life here. They see no Embiid. You're going to get a big pop from them. Wouldn't be surprised if they figured out how to win the first quarter or the first half. But I do like them plus six for the game. I think this is going to be very competitive. See, I think the Sixers mid-game losing Embiid is going to be a lot different when knowing he's not going to be there. Like they went through a stretch where they did not have Embiid and they were fine. In the course of the regular season. Now, obviously, the Wizards are different. They can maybe sense weakness, if you will. I I love, love the first half over. I think the Wizards will attack. Not having Embiid there is, I mean, look, you're going to have like Gafford and and some other guys. It's not like Dwight Howard's going to start. They're going to keep him off the bench. They're going to go small ball. And I also like the Sixers a lot. I think they're going to have a monster game from Simmons and Harris and everyone else. Now, I'm going to lay the six for sure. But I really like the first half over a lot. I think the Wizards are just going to be attacking, attacking, attacking. And um, I think that's, we're going to see a lot of points. I, I really do. So I'm big on that game. First half over, I can get behind that as well. Um, one thing that would help your case more so than my case, obviously, 
and we didn't even mention this, but Ben Simmons was in foul trouble early in that game in game four. And if that yes. doesn't happen again, you're obviously going to have a much stronger unit on the court minus Embiid. So something to keep in mind as well. Like I said, it doesn't help my case, but it does help yours, and it's a point worth making. And also, like, the game over, if you want to opt for that, you may get some hack of Simmons at the end that get some extra possessions in, if you will. But I think if it's a blowout, then the scrubs play the fourth. So, anyway, let's move it on. We're going chronological order. Let's go to Atlanta, New York. Marv Albert's final Knicks game in all likelihood. Um, obviously significant. And we're waiting for Julius Randle to be uncorked. Maybe he doesn't, given the how the Hawks are defending him. I think we see a strong start from the Knicks. Uh, I do not think they're going to win the game. I just don't think they have the horses unless just all the players show up. But I think we're going to get maximum effort. No surprise from the Tom Thibodeau team. So I do like the Knicks in the first half, but I know you're opposite me. We are opposed on this one as well. This one's been – I had this series wrong from the beginning. I like the Knicks in seven. I thought it was going to be more competitive than it's been. Not the dead Hawks yet. Have been much better. Not dead yet. <laughs> no, no, not dead. Thank you for bringing that up. Not dead yet. But the one thing I was able to nail in this series is the Hawks in the first half, 4-0 against the spread so far. They've been hammering the Knicks out of the gate. They beat them in the first half by an average of 8.2 points per game, due in large part to how they're handling the second quarter. They've outscored the Knicks by 21 points in the second quarter of this series. Now, the Knicks coming home, facing elimination, do-or-die spot. They come out and they give you their all. But I think the same thing's going to happen with the Hawks. I think they smell blood in the water. I don't know if there's going to be any complacency here. Um... I, so I'm, I'm going to find myself on this again. Now, I've been playing it bigger when the series was in Atlanta. It's not going to be as big a wager here, but it all comes down to Atlanta's defense, which I don't think we're making an, a big enough deal about. New York's defense was the story point all regular season, as it should be. But the Hawk defense has held the Knicks to 99 points a game, 40% from the floor, 32% from deep during the series. Maybe there's some positive regression coming, but Atlanta has been far better than advertised. I was dead wrong coming in early thinking the Knicks were the better team. Atlanta has proven to be the better team. I'm still going to be on them in the first half here. You and I oppose, so we can do a juice-free wager, leave the books out of it, and uh, we can go ahead and uh, see how this thing plays out. Yeah, I mean, we're forgetting how different this Hawks team is, and there's a lot of teams in this postseason that are very different than maybe their seeding would indicate what they battled during the season. I mean, since the All-Star break, the Hawks have been a much better team, and they're getting healthier, or they got healthy during the regular season. So this version of Atlanta, far superior to the one over the course of the 72 games as we continue going chronological order oh, we go very very quickly i would like yep. to mention that we've probably handed out two guaranteed winners since we've been opposite each other on the first two games so there's a couple <laughs> losers out there so far but we have handed out two guaranteed winners as well <laughs> it's up to you the listener to decipher which is which uh memphis utah um I, if this gets double digits i'm taking the points with the grizzlies i don't think they're going to go away quietly uh they've somehow not somehow but their youth has showed unraveling down the stretch of some tight games. I got burned. I was on uh, the Grizz plus five and a half. And I got some second half money as well that pushed, um, thanks to that Jaron Jackson meaningless three in the final minute. Uh, either way, Memphis impressed me. I like the first half over. All four games in this series have gone over the total, but we've seen the total come up almost 10 points. I just think Utah can score at will. And I think Memphis attacks and doesn't mess around. And they you're seeing a more aggressive job, Morant. So, I like game over. I like first half over. Uh, and I, I would take 10 if I could get it. All right, good. We're not opposed here. Uh, I'm going to be on a first half wager as well, and I'll lay it with Utah, currently minus five and a half. They've overwhelmed Memphis uh, in the first quarter for this series. They're winning every single first quarter. They're doing it by an average of 7.7 .7 points per game. So they've had, they've had these great starts. But game one, 
they didn't play well in the second quarter. They end up losing the half. It's the only time they've lost the half the entire series. Now that was without Donovan Mitchell. So since Mitchell's come back, the Grizz, or excuse me, the Jazz in the first half have been outscoring the Grizz by 12 points per game. Now, if this was just a small sample size, one series sort of thing, all right, maybe don't get too attached to it, like with the Hawks and the Knicks. But the Jazz were the best first half team in the NBA throughout the course of the regular season. They outscored the opposition by more than five points per game in the first half, which was number one. And at home, that number rises to over seven points per game in the first half. Memphis losing both games in Memphis. I wonder how much is left in the tank, right? You're down 3-1. You're getting on a plane. You're traveling to Utah. I'd have to imagine if you're Quinn Snyder in the Jazz, the message is pretty simple. Uh, do you want to fly back to Memphis for a game six, or do you want to close this thing out and get ready for the next round? Very obvious statement, but I think the motivation is going to be there. I don't think we're going to see complacency. They're going to fire for the gate. Uh, it's up to Memphis to lose this bet, I would say. If they come out hot and they start playing as feisty as they have been, I could be in some trouble, but I'm going to lay the five and a half with the Jazz. All right. We saw Boston start strong in the first half. Nets ended up pulling away down the stretch. Uh, obviously, every game has its own separate script, so there's different yep. outcomes there. Let's uh, round it out with the only 2-2 series playing tonight. The other three games we've discussed are 3-1. Fascinating. Uh, Road, has, Road team has won all four games here. The Luka injury, we're seeing this line creep up. Uh, Clippers have gone small ball with Batum goes the dynamite at the five, and obviously that's unleashed uh, the Clippers offense and kept Zubac on the bench, although we did get a little Boban action last weekend. So anyways, my play here is first half. And as you like to say, Joe, I'm going to have an uncomfortable amount on this because <laughs> yes, the first halves have been flying over except for the last game. And it still almost got there. The Mavs couldn't hit anything. And Lucas, they're bent over just in such visible pain. And the offense just wasn't clicking. If he's feeling that much better, this thing's going to fly over the first half. So I'm uh, I'm all about it. I like that. And there's a lot pointing towards some positive regressions for Dallas, which is one of the reasons why I'm going to take the seven with the Mavericks, right? Let's look at the narrative. Dallas goes up 2-0 in the series. Everybody's writing off the Clippers. Same old Clippers. Got to disband the team. Got to fire the coach. Choking in the playoffs like usual. Then they win the next two, even the series up. And suddenly it's, hey, here come the Clippers. Seem to have found something. They're really taking advantage of the opportunity. The reality is it's somewhere in the middle. They didn't play well early. They're playing well late. Okay, we don't need to overreact to it. But I think as a result of what we've seen late, we're getting a pretty good price with the Mavericks here at plus seven. So far this season, the Mavericks have only had two games, regular season or playoffs, in which they've caught seven or more points. That's how rare this situation is. One of them was game two against the Clippers. They were plus seven on the closing number. They won the game by six, won it outright. The other was January 15th at Milwaukee. They were catching eight. They lost the game by three, but they did cover the number. So this is a rare spot for them to be in. And they're coming off a game in which they shot 34% from the floor. That was the worst shooting percentage of all 76 games they played this season. They shot 16% from deep. Worst shooting percentage of 76 games this season. They also shot 63% from the stripe. Ninth worst shooting percentage of 76 games this season. I'm not saying they're going to be great tonight, but they have to be better. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Clippers got a little bit complacent for a small portion of this game, simply because they've won two games and Luka's banged up. Classic Clippers, right? Failing to close it out. Maybe they do, maybe they don't tonight, but I think seven's a lot. I think Dallas is going to shoot better tonight. I think they're going to find some adjustments where other players have to step up to help Luka Doncic. I'll take the seven with the Mavericks. You're getting seven and a half at most shops. You've had a nice Woo! pulse of this series. I'd, I'd grab the points before I'd lay it too. I think uh, Rick Carlisle will have some adjustments to the Clippers 
mid-series adjustments as well. But I think we're going to see some points here. First quarter over, first half over. Team totals, the works. Give me the works. Sprinkle all the numbers a la the craps table. Uh, you have a baseball game <laughs> as a parting gift uh, for our listeners. Yeah, two bets in the Orioles-Twins game tonight. The total's nine and a half runs. I play the over. The Twins team total is five and a half. I would bet the over there as well. Why? The dark night. Old Matt Harvey taking the mound for the Orioles. He of the ERA, 6.84. Now, you might see that and be like, all right, that's pretty lousy. Harvey has been awful as of late. His last four starts, he's only been able to go 13 and two-thirds innings because he's gotten rocked so bad. So just shy of 14 innings over his last four starts, giving up 23 earned runs. That's an ERA of 15.15. That's the ERA for the Dark Knight over his last four games. He's been getting rocked, and he got rocked in all four. It's not like he gave up eight and then zero and then eight again. He got cleaned up in all four. Now he's going to take on a Minnesota team that is underwhelming as they've been this year. They're still top 10 in almost every important category when it comes to facing right-handed pitchers. Neither bullpen is all that impressive. They both rank 11th or worse in Major League Baseball when it comes to team ERA. So I like the Twins who lost to the Orioles last night. I like them to fire out of the gates to get over five and a half runs on their team total. And I also think this game goes over nine and a half because it's Randy Dobnik going for the Twins. His ERA is 6.49 this year. He's been hit or miss. Some good starts, some terrible starts. If he's just average tonight, it should be enough to get us over nine and a half. So that's how we'll conclude it with some baseball action. Twins-Orioles, the game everyone's looking forward to. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of Orioles talk this week on Daily Wager <laughs> Properties. Um, they finally won. I'm a little disappointed. I prefer every loss, but, you know, you can go <laughs> one out of 14. That's okay. Uh, they won uh, They won five games in May. That is incredible. Yeah, we'll take that. Uh, no WNBA tonight. Had a had a strong performance. I believe I went 3-0 ATS, thanks to the buzzer yeah. beater. From Kia Nurse buzzer beater certainly helped. I got a lot of Twitter feedback saying, oh, you had it all along. Hey. We just worry about the final score, you know? That's all that matters, baby. It's all that matters. My wings got there. It was a best bet, and then I got changed at the last minute. Don't get me started. It would have been my fifth in a row. Got to start over. I'm going to be muttering on my deathbed many, many years from now. Just, Stanford, Steve, I'm coming for you. Stanford, Steve, I want <laughs> coming for you. Wandering gonna... the streets all dirty here in Las Completely. Vegas. Muttering yeah, Stanford, just Steve. Uh, they'll be like, dude, what are you talking about? Um, all right, so that's going to do it for this pod. Thanks to everyone. Again, we always uh, appreciate it when you rate, review, subscribe. Uh, really helps us out with the, with the analytics. And uh, like we say, like we promise, every uh, weekday, in and out, in less than 10 minutes, we'll see you tonight at 6 Eastern on ESPN2. 